0: Good morning good morning good morning how's everybody doing good it's good to see you today if you're visiting with us please fill out a welcome card at uh, the church slash welcome the mill.church welcome we would very much appreciate having a record of your attendance there Uh, You can also fill out a hard copy at the back of the room in the wooden box if uh, you don't prefer to go on your smartphone, but the church slash welcome, we'd be glad to get to know your family a little better and what your needs are, so thank you very much. I wanted to let you guys know that there is a snowmobile trail that is open right back here. I am so disappointed this morning that nobody brought their snowmobile to church. I am heartbroken. So to this property to the north, okay, there's this public trail that runs right back here along these pines. You take a right, you come into the neighboring property, and then you whip into our field. You can do a U-turn and go right back out. That's how it works. You park your snowmobile right up by the corner of the parking lot. You can put your snowmobile boots on my office desk if you want to. Gosh darn it. Just bring a snowmobile to church. This has been a vision of mine for uh, years, and I just can't wait to see our first snowmobile. I will buy a burger for whoever brings their first snowmobile onto this property. I just can't wait. I'll take you out for a burger. So please do that next Sunday, okay? Maybe somebody will in the second service. We will find out. So, hey, and we are only one other property owner away, property owner's permission, from linking up to the ATV trail system. So you can bring your ATVs to church. I hope, I pray, this coming summer uh, we're... uh, talking with Bill's Service Center and others and trying to figure out a plan. So you can't put your muddy ATV boots on my office desk, but you can put your snow boots on there. All right. Well, hey, we're in a new and exciting uh, book called The Book of Colossians. This is our third week. It's not so much a book, even though we call it that, as much as it is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote while imprisoned for sharing the gospel— He did so in order to encourage a newly planted church in the city of Colossae, and this idea that Paul is in prison is important, because how often do people who don't have faith think to themselves, outsiders, wow, it must be really convenient being a Christian? Man, everybody's lives are so full of joy and hope and peace and, and love and what, what an easy life. My goodness, I could, I could never become a Christian because my life is filled with tough trials and hardships and temptations and trouble. Christians just don't understand what it's like to be me. And I would reply to that criticism Our author of two-thirds of the books in the New Testament is writing from jail. From jail. And I'm going to pause there because it just occurred to me that I completely skipped over a vital element to our worship service this morning and one that everybody's looking forward to. Lynette, pop, join me on stage. Look at this gal. I did. I completely lost track. Oh, you're not even going to use the stairs. Look at that. Wow. Okay, she's an avid hiker. That is your microphone. This is the year of 52 stories. And every week, somebody's telling a story of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. So would you give a warm welcome this morning to Lynette Puff. About
1: the bike trail. So is this on? Can you hear me? Yeah. I want to know what about the bike trail, Zach? Uh, Snowmobile, it's... ATV, bike trail. Just, just saying. Okay. Well, my name is Lynette Pup, and this is my story. Here's a fun fact. I was, I grew up Catholic, and my mom used to always let me go to various vacation Bible schools in Marshfield. So, I accepted Jesus as as my Savior at VBS, at Faith Baptist Church, when Juanita's dad and Shannon's grandpa, Herring, was pastor there. So, that's kind of a cool thing. Came full circle here. But this is a story of God's faithfulness to me. My husband, Dwayne, was known as Rex all through high school and into his adult life. It was... A play on his last name being Pup, all the nine boys got a a dog name from friends, and his was Rex, which he liked much better than his brother Trixie. (laughs) So there is a reason I'm telling you this. This is foreshadowing. So in in 2007, my brother-in-law, who lived with my elderly um, mother-in-law, died at the age of 58, he was a Vietnam vet, and he was actually getting his life back together. Then, in 2008, not even a year later, our son died of a brain tumor. Um, and how do you lose a child? And how do you maintain your faith in God? Um, and it, 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 never, it never loses. You never, you never lose that, that feeling of losing a child. Well, it was a very emotional time, very hard time. And then in 2009, DeWayne became very ill with what was diagnosed incorrectly as bursitis. So he was sent home with some drugs, so I thought he was just being weird because of the drugs. Um, But what we didn't know was that his body was being ravaged by staph, septicemia, and osteomyelitis. We were told that any one of these could kill him, and here he had all three of them. So I took him to the clinic, and I said, somebody's seen this man, and they hospitalized him right away. It was that severe. The next morning, I called his room, no answer. Called his room, no answer. Three times. So finally, I got a hold of a nurse, and she said, we moved him at 3.30 a.m. to another room and put him in restraints. He's really bad. You need to get up here. Why they didn't call me at 3.30, I don't know. So I immediately was begging Jesus to please save Dwayne. Don't let him die, not after all these things have happened. There is no way I could lose my husband. So I was sobbing. I was driving down Balsam Road. As many of you know, it's a red granite road. I couldn't see where I was going. And I was probably talking in tongues because I'm sure the Holy Spirit was um, praying for me. And you know how when you're on a trail and somebody loses a glove and they put it up on a signpost when they, when, you know, so you can find it or hubcap. Well, there on the corner of Balsam and 97 was a license plate and it was propped up against the stop sign and it said Rex, R-E-X. And at that moment, I knew Jesus was with me. It just doesn't happen. And, um he would have to be with me because I would not have made it through the 13 days that Dwayne was in the hospital, nor him coming out in a wheelchair, then going to a walker and eight weeks of IV antibiotics. So my name is Lynette Pup. This is the year of 52 stories, even though Zach forgot. And Jesus is a hero of mine.
0: Love you. You can put that mic back. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lynette, for having the courage to share your story. And Ashley, who sang so beautifully this morning, uh, she's been up here a couple times. Uh, You may want to check your mic and make sure it still works between the services, okay? Because that hit pretty hard. We're so polished here at the Mill Church. If you haven't noticed, we just execute flawlessly moving throughout the service. So as I was saying, before I recall that I had forgotten a key element of the service, the author of our book is writing from jail. He's not doing prison ministry. He's actually in jail. He's writing from the inside. And this is a Roman jail. This is not a Marathon County jail. This is not a Wood County jail. Jail. Paul is in a real predicament here. These guys are brutal. And so what we're going to do today and next week is we're going to look at a prayer that Paul prays. And what's so unique about this prayer is that it's written by a man who's suffering. And this is an important case study, I think, um, because often difficult circumstances will push us one of two directions. Either they'll push us closer to the Lord, or they'll push us farther away from the Lord. Another general observation that I'll mention before we read today's text is that you can really get to know somebody by listening to them pray. Have you ever noticed that? You can learn a lot by listening to someone communicate with God, or in our case, by reading The Apostle Paul's Prayer, if you've ever been in a Bible study or a life group and you hear somebody praying for the first time, you really get a window into that person's heart. Uh, What is he or she passionate about? What are they struggling with? How does he relate to God? How does she see God as big and transcendent or as close and imminent? What does a person fear? What does a person hope for? When you listen to somebody pray, you can pick up on some of those things and get a sense for who someone is. And when you pray out loud, I think you can even learn things about yourself. Would you agree with that? Prayer is not, uh, well, I should say prayer is kind of like audible journaling. We speak what we're thinking inside our head, what we're feeling all day. All to say today that we're going to get an opportunity to eavesdrop in on the Apostle Paul's prayer that he's writing from prison in the middle of his suffering, and he's delivering this message to a new church. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we're going to read out loud this morning. I'd like to invite you to stand, please, in honor of God's word today. We will pause at the commas and pause a little longer at the periods, just like the faithful Lutherans. And we're going to read this together, beginning in verse 3 of Colossians chapter 1 and ending in verse 14. Are you ready? Say yes. yes. All right. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the world of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so... From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of the of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You may be seated. So, it's not as much a prayer as it is Paul telling this early new church what he's been praying about. In Paul's prayer, what he's really doing is giving evidences of solid Christianity. I'm going to take about the first half of this prayer next week. I'm going to take the second half of the first half of the prayer this week, second half of the prayer next week. And I want to talk about what Paul lists as solid evidences of real Christianity, okay? Because he hints on some of this. The first evidence he gives us is that. Of an internal faith. Everybody say internal faith. What is real Christianity? Well first it involves having an internal faith. In verse 4 Paul talks about our faith in Christ Jesus. That one of the proofs of a real Christian is a personal internal faith. You may have been born into a Christian home, but you are born again through a personal faith in Jesus Christ. So I ask you today in a way similar to the way that Paul encouraged the church at Colossae, do you have, do you have an internal faith in Jesus Christ? Because ultimately, if you're a Christian, Jesus is at the center of your life and everything else moves to the margins. People who have an internal faith in Jesus, their commitment to him runs deep. It's not shallow. Uh, Their devotion to him is an abiding devotion, meaning they spend time with him. They talk to him, just like one of the closest relationships in their lives. They hunger for him. If you would say that you've experienced a deep hunger for Jesus Christ I would say that's a great sign that you are a real Christian. Paul is saying that you have faith in him. And if not, if not, you're still in need of the Lord. Some 2,000 years ago, we've shared the gospel here so many times before. It's a simple story, really. Jesus died on a cross for you. He exchanged and gave us his life, and he took upon himself our death. He took our place. But today, he's no longer dead. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's risen from death. He's on a throne, an actual throne. He's ruling and reigning over every kingdom, every nation, every dictator, every president, and faith in him means connecting with this King. Faith in him means unleashing his life in your life. So does that describe your relationship with Jesus today? Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you belong to him? Are you trusting in him? Is your faith in him? The second evidence that the apostle Paul gives is hope eternally. Hope eternally. Hope eternally in the sense that in being a Christian, we don't begin with the present time in mind. We begin with the end of time in mind. Meaning, we know where we're going ultimately when Jesus Christ returns for us in his second coming And that's what gives us strength to persevere along the way and through this life. Our hope, Paul says, in verse 5, is laid up for you where? In heaven. That's where our hope is. So we don't start thinking about our present circumstances. We start thinking about the end in that Jesus wins and then we back up from there with confidence knowing that he can take care of us in our present circumstance. At the mill, we don't take our cues from culture. We have never responded um, to every single thing that we see on the news. Uh, We we don't place our hope. I've told you instead we take cues from, from the kingdom. We don't place our hope in the elections. We don't place our hope in wars. We don't place our hope in the absence of conflict. We place our hope in Jesus Christ. So we ask questions like if we're true to this text, what is it going to be like when Jesus comes back for us? What is that going to, gosh, what is heaven going to look like? What will it be like when Jesus rules as the Prince of Peace over all? Well, luckily, we don't have to imagine fully. The Bible tells us what some of it's going to look like. We know that all nations, all cultures, all races are going to be invited to this party. They will be welcome. We know that there will be forgiveness of sin. We know that there will be immense love. We know that there will be joy. There will be healing. There will be reconciliation. In heaven, there will be worship in heaven. So then we say to ourselves, okay, well, if that's what heaven's going to be like, and if Jesus prayed, let thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then these are the things that we ought to be doing. We ought to be joyful. We ought to be hopeful. We ought to be worshiping. We ought to be loving one another. Amen? Amen. So what this world needs more than anything is the church of Jesus Christ behaving like what the kingdom of God is like. Let me say that again. What this world needs most is the church of God behaving like what the kingdom of God is like. I think you would agree that there are categorically two visions in our nation right now. There is one that is driving hard left. It's the left's vision. There's one that's driving hard right. It's the right's vision. The only hope is if both the left and the right look up to heaven and say, Wait a minute, who's the king here? Who's the king of the kingdom? What is he saying? This coming December, we're hoping to visit, for the first time as a family, we've talked about it loosely, not really entered into intense planning, the Magic Kingdom. You've heard of the Magic Kingdom, down in the good old Sunshine State. Well, we would love to take our kids there. My, my folks want to go with us. We're excited about it. I use this analogy loosely, but if you think about it, the Magic Kingdom is probably the closest thing we have on earth, to heaven. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, it is, after all, the happiest place on earth. You know that, right? That's what's said about it, at least. All the nations are, of the world are there, yes or no? Yes, they are. They're all enjoying one big, peaceable experience. Is heaven going to be peaceable? Yes, it is. Absence of conflict in heaven. And they're enjoying this amazing food. Is food going to be, I went on a Disney cruise once. It's one of the worst mistakes I've ever made as a bachelor. Some buddies of mine in college should have done carnival, okay? It's a bunch of moms and dads with their kids for seven straight days. Not a good place for a bunch of single guys. I did a Disney cruise. I'll tell you, the food was outstanding. It was amazing. I would imagine the same is true of the magic kingdom. If you think about it, the place even has a king. Granted, he's a life-size mouse. But he's still, how many of you know he can do better than a life-size mouse? Amen? Nonetheless, the place has a king. And so, where does this correlation end? (laughs) What if everyone that goes to Disney World really longed deep in their hearts for the coming of Jesus? A peaceable place where all the nations are, worshiping someone, a place where memories are made. A place where people are glad. A place where joy never ends. See, we begin as Christians with the end in mind. And my hope, I don't know about yours, it's not in Disney, it's in heaven. Hey, one key distinction is that heaven costs nothing. How many of you know that's not true of Disney? Okay? That's a big difference. The third evidence the Apostle Paul mentions we should see in Christians after an internal faith, after an eternal hope, is an external love. An external love. If you're a genuine Christian, then a genuine Christian love will flow through you. If you have met God, you will love others. The fruit of the Spirit is love, among other things. Jesus would take it this far. He would say, to summarize the entire Old Testament, you could do so with the word love. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that without love, we are like clanging cymbals. We're just making a bunch of noise. We're just, we're just putting our hypocrisy on display if we don't love. Love comes from the nature of God, who is Trinitarian. The members of the Godhead are showing love, giving and receiving love among each other perpetually. In this dance, a book called it that I read in college, And through God's Holy Spirit, we have access to this divine love. We can love our neighbors, amen? We can love our enemies, even. That's possible in Jesus. With access through the Holy Spirit to this divine love. This is why We love one another. Oh, I'll tell you why we love one another, because we annoy one another. Truth or fiction? Truth. We annoy one another. And God wants us to overcome that. See, with his love. Love is at the core, Paul says, of being a Christian. Love is preeminent. Love is above the other issues. In other words, we, we with love we can work through our issues. And without love, we cannot. Work through our issues. In verse 4, Paul talks about the love that you have for all the saints. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say the love that you have for the saints that you like. The love that you have for the saints that you have something in common with. He said, for all the saints, practically, this means we pray for one another. I am so encouraged by this 30-day prayer challenge. Pastor Nick and Edgar and I have decided we're going to do another one in February and just keep this ball rolling for anybody that would like to participate. And if you didn't jump in in January, you can jump in in February. We'll soon send out communications on how to do this. But I will tell you, this means we pray for one another. This means we don't criticize each other. We build each other up. We let no unwholesome talk come out of our mouths except for what is helpful and encouraging, building each other up in the faith. We speak well of other churches. We speak well of other Christians. It's just heartbreaking that we have given in To this demonic plan that Christians ought to fight Christians in front of non-Christians. Like where in the Bible have we seen such a thing? That isn't love. Love is compelling. Love is supernatural. Love is the heart of God. Love is the ethic of the kingdom. And love isn't just in words, of course. Love does Things Love does stuff. Jesus shows his expressed love for us by living a sinless life, by dying a substitutionary death, by granting eternal salvation. So I'd ask you this morning, do you really know Jesus? And by that I mean, do you have an internal faith? Do you have an eternal hope and do you have an external love? Because the Apostle Paul is telling us, and he'll tell us more characteristics next week in the latter half of this prayer, that those are some of the characteristics of real faith, of real Christianity and if not let me encourage you with this turn from sin trust in Jesus allow yourself to be saved and sanctified by his Holy Spirit that's when God pulls the weeds out of your garden bed he does that over the course of a lifetime he's really good at it you know Jesus he's not just some historical figure he's wanting us to experience himself and to be changed by him. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this challenge by the Apostle Paul. Lord, we thank you that we're given some real meat to chew on here. It's it's as if this is like This letter, what James talks about, where we peer into the word as though it's a mirror. And it reflects toward ourselves all the impurities about us. So that we can root them out, so that we can confess, so that we can ask for forgiveness, so that we can change. Holy Spirit, we pray That you would continue to sanctify us by your word. That you would draw us to yourself. That you would use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.